weeks ago out of the book of Job. Enjoyed that. And uh, I can confess now the pastor is here. I did go about 15 minutes over on time at that last sermon. So uh, he wasn't in the room when I just said that. So that's, that's good. Anyway, I'm going to try to give you the 15 minutes back tonight. I think I might do it. We'll see. Uh, preachers sometimes get up with noble ambitions to do that, and then it never actually happens. That's just the way it goes. Praise the Lord for all the good news that Pastor mentioned. Glad Stephen's doing okay. Glad Dave and Carolina are back in town with us tonight. I'm glad it was warmer today. Praise the Lord. I saw 50s on the little gauge in the car. Praise the Lord for that. That's just to put a smile on my face. And I think I've noticed a little pleasanter tone out there in the community today. Uh, it's amazing how much the weather can affect us. Uh, you can think a lot of things about the weather, but you can't change it, right? And uh, But... Uh, Kind of nice to just see things warm up just a little bit. We do praise the Lord for the safety and the security through the winter time. Thank you for praying for our family down in Greenpoint. A lot of people would ask me, what's going on? It's, you know, kind of expecting this news and uh, just keep praying. Keep praying, keep, keep, keep praying. And one day you're going to say, man, I was one of those people that just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then we prayed and prayed and prayed some more, and finally it happened. Well, we're, all, we're, we're almost there. I don't know where the finally is, is going to come from, but uh, just keep praying. We've been looking at a lot of places. I've, I've called, pa- called pastors sometimes. Pastor, i got a place. We need to come look at it right now. We, we might be able to get it. You know how real estate is. You know, it's kind of like uh, you know, you got to jump on it right away. And, um, and then I call them back, never mind, we lost it. Or, or you know, I looked at it, and it's not what we thought it was. And there's been going through a lot of that, so just keep praying. And, um, and we are looking at some places. And I'm, in fact, I'm uh, supposed to hear back from the landlord uh, tomorrow or Saturday. They said they wanted to think about it to the end of the week, about uh, taking a chance on us, being in there. Just people have apprehensions um, because a lot of churches give other churches a bad reputation. So, <laughs> so there's just those kind of things you have to deal with. But uh, pray for us. Uh, this would be a great little commercial space we'd have all to ourselves a little storefront in a residential building so it would be a, it would be a great opportunity but really anywhere would be a great opportunity i say that about everything oh this would be a great opportunity this would be you know uh i pastor i saw a, a place for rent uh this week uh it's only 225 bucks a month now it's only 50 square feet but you know i mean come on 50 square feet we could do that you know we our first service we'd be packed out with just me and my family um <clears throat> anyway uh, that's the only available space I've been able to find that we can afford in Greenpoint. There's something there. God's going God's gonna to give us the right thing. And God's you know, really blessed, I told our supporters in our re- recent prayer letter, God's also blessed by keeping us out of some places that you, know, you don't want to get into, get involved in uh, legally and different things like that. So praise the Lord for that. Well, it is Thursday night Bible study, and I'm going to try to follow that format. So this will be a little different than the way maybe you heard me speak last time, but I'm going to try to follow that Bible study format a little bit more tonight from 1 John chapter 2. So let's look at 1 John chapter 2, and let's begin in verse number 12. And we're going to read down through the end of the chapter. Uh, we'll stop at verse 28, just before the end. <clears throat> I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... 
the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I am not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus, Christ, Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning, that if that, if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Now this is where we're going to, I think this sums, uh, is written, you know, inductively, and it, so that means it kind of sums it up at the end. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. A rather long passage to read from tonight, but um, a good one. Uh, they're all good ones, right? But uh, one that I especially like, and maybe you saw some verses there that you have committed to memory over the years. But let's look at tonight at this passage. I've given a little title to this lesson, Stay Where You Started. Stay Where You Started. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for tonight, and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is, it is true it is all wisdom, but that, Lord, we're not left without a teacher, the Holy Spirit. Lord, we have an unction. We have an anointing from him. And, Lord, we pray tonight that no matter how uh, well or poorly the message is, is taught, that the Holy Spirit would, would do the teaching that only he can do. And that, Lord, you would speak to each believer's heart about the truth in this message and about what it means to their life. And, Lord, even as we try to make applications that we can perceive that, Lord, you would make ones that can't be, that, that only, only the person knows about, only you know about. And that, Lord, we would find in your word uh, comfort, correction, instruction. And, Lord, that we would all be ready for your appearing when it comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think we could all unanimously say that believers should be strong in their faith, right? I mean, we would expect a, someone who is a Christian, who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to understand that you're supposed to grow in that faith. And we can think of several scriptures spring to mind right away that encourage us to grow in our faith. Growth is, 
is something all throughout the Bible you see that mentioned. And even at North Brooklyn Baptist Church, we tried to put an emphasis on the idea of growing. And we even had a little logo drawn up and it shows kind of the Bible and the cross with some leaves and they're all growing. You can just we want people to understand that here we're growing. Something's happening here. We're not just, uh, you know, decaying and rotting like some other uh, places in the area. But there's growth here. Something's happening. And um and also, Greenpoint's called the Garden Spot, so it kind of fits with that idea, too. But, uh, you know, we, we want to project that idea of growth. Something is happening. We're not where we were. But I said in, in the beginning that I want you to stay where you started. So I want you to stay where you started, but I also don't want you to stay where you started. So, Brother Mike, you're confusing me. Well, apparently, I've been told that that is a good tactic for getting people to, to pay attention and listen. So hopefully, it, that if, uh, I'm probably not reading that right, but uh, sometimes a little bit of confusion there can help with that. So hopefully, I have your attention a little bit. He writes here to believers, and he writes uh, in, in this passage here, the Apostle John. Now, the Apostle John, first, first John, is, is, it's one of those books. Some people have even given it a name that John has his own literary style in the Bible, that it's unique to, to all others in the way that he writes. It comes across very personally. It comes across uh, like uh, very uh, easy to grasp. Uh, sometimes, I mean, the thoughts and ideas, you know, may take some study, but it's, it's almost like, um, like it was written for new believers. Uh, my wife and I knew an evangelist when we were in high school. We'd go to camp. There was an evangelist there every year named Al Wells, and he had a lot of sayings that people remembered. Um, and one of them, he would always tell people if somebody was doubting their salvation, he would tell them to read First John five times and then call me in the morning. You know, I, I think there's some, there's some wisdom in that. First John, if, if you're a believer and you read through First John, it clicks. Its simplicity just makes sense in your mind. But if you're an unbeliever, or if you're, even if you're hostile to God, you read First John and it, and it almost comes across kind of like uh, too simple. Like uh, uh, too almost kind of frustrating when you read through it. But if you're, when you're a believer, when you're illuminated by the Holy Spirit, then the simplicity is quite beautiful to you. And you see... Uh, you see what God is trying to bring across to you. In 1 John chapter 1, you see some of the real famous verses there that uh, maybe you have committed to memory. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, uh, 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, <coughs> cleanseth us from all sin. I mean, that's probably the key verse in the book of 1 John Walking together in fellowship, but not walking together because we like each other, but walking together because we're walking in his light, in the truth of Jesus Christ. And we've all received the forgiveness of sins, and that's what brings us together. Uh, and, and that's kind of what he deals with here all throughout the book. And in chapter one and in, divert, in chapter number two, uh, or excuse me, the end of chapter number one, uh, I found myself there many, many times. How about verse number nine? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but I found myself on my knees before those words many a times. I mean, if you want some verses to claim, I hope you come to that one a lot. First John 1, 9. I mean, that was one. I think we both had to memorize that in high school. They had a little memorization uh, contests every year, and, and we, uh, we had to learn that one, and I'm glad I did. That's one you can go back to, that when you've, when you've sinned, when you know you messed up, to know that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. I mean, that, those are two words that they almost seem like they don't fit quite together. But he's faithful, that means he always will, and he's just, which means he has a grounds by which to do it. 
his suffering on the cross, his blood that he shed for us. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful verse. And he comes into chapter two and he gives them some words of warning there. And he uses the word my little children a couple different times before. But when you get down to where we started in chapter 12, then you start to see a lot of different people addressed. He says, my little children. And then he says, I write to you fathers and I write to you young men. You know, is he writing? Is he is he segregating the people out and that he's reading to that he's writing to and saying, okay, this is my message to the to the fathers. This is my message to the young men and young women. Is this my message to the little children? I don't think so. I think he's actually probably addressing everybody, but he's using all three of those to kind of represent uh, some different things about the Christian life, because all three of those stages in life, youth, you know, teenage adolescence, if you will, young adulthood and then adulthood. They all have their, their benefits, their strong points, their weaknesses in life. He talks about children, that they know the Father through the forgiveness of sins. That those that are children, and that's the one he sticks with the most, they, they have a knowledge of their Father that is very pure. When they look to their Father, uh, not only their earthly Father, but their heavenly Father, they see all his power, all his might. I mean, my kids, you know what? They think that I can do anything. And I kind of like that, I mean, in some selfish way. I mean, I, I love that innocence that they think that I, I mean, they, they don't think there's anyone stronger than me. They don't think there's, I mean, they think they can, I can do it all. And I kind of like that innocence, but it's a picture. It shows us of how we're supposed to look at God in a more accurate way that, boy, he can do anything. The only difference is when it comes to God, it's actually true. And my kids are going to find out, Maggie's grinning at me. They're going to find out that dad definitely cannot do everything, but he can. And then he talks about fathers, that they've known God who is from the beginning. So they not only have um, a view of God that is um, very innocent uh, and very new, but they have an enduring view of God, that they've known him for a long time and, they've, and that, 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 that knowledge of him has grown. And they've known not only what God does now, but they know all the way back to what God has done in the past. And then he talks about young men. And he says there in the verses that we read, that they're strong and the word of God abides in them. And there's some strength to youth, amen? Not tonight for Brother Stephen. He's laid up. But uh, I tell you, when he's out here working normally, he's not listening. So I'll tell you, he's a strong guy. I mean, there's just, I mean, you get around a, a strong teenager that doesn't, isn't allowed to sit around, but actually does some work. I mean, it's something to behold. And I guess I'm probably still qualified to be considered young for a few more months until my youth ends at age 30. Uh, why are you laughing? That wasn't supposed to be a joke. Okay. But there's something to it. There's some good virtue there in being young and the strength and the, the stamina, the energy, just the, 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 um, the ability to go out and, and just work and work and work. There's something to that. So, I mean, it, you, so you can see through all of these that these are things that are obviously supposed to be applied to our Christian life. Are we supposed to be an old, mature Christian? Or are we supposed to be a young and innocent Christian? Are we supposed to be a youthful, energetic Christian? Yes. All, all of those things. Yes. I mean, we're supposed to have that maturity that understands uh, that, you know, our, that wants to know more about our father and understand his ways of old. We're supposed to have that young innocence that sees God for all that he's capable of doing. We're supposed to have that that energy that wants to go out and serve God the best we can. We're supposed to have all those things at the same time. But he sticks. A, he sticks a lot with the idea of children here uh, and, and deals with that one the most. So I, I say all that to say this. He is writing to believers who have their faith planted and rooted, that are strong believers, that are strong in the faith. And everybody wants to have that in their life. 
but how do we stay that way? How do we stay that way? I mean, I don't think anybody in the room wants to be a casualty in the Christian life. I, don't, I think everyone in this room hopefully expects that they'll be here next year serving the Lord. They won't be off in a bar somewhere or, uh, you, know, off, uh, you know, off the rails. I mean, I think everyone in here expects that, that they will continue in the love of God, that they will continue to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. But, I mean, I don't think I need to go too far into detail to tell you that that doesn't always happen. Uh, my wife and I, you know, just heard uh, from some friends this week. And, I mean, and it really broke our hearts. Some people that we knew really well who have just gone completely off the rails and, uh, and have just really forsaken the, the Lord and his ways. And, um, and you know, it, it's a sad situation. I don't think any of us expect that we'll be there, and it doesn't happen overnight, for sure. But some things happen that get us to that point. And so I think what this letter is trying to do is just give an honest uh, warning here. Hey, your, your, your young children, uh, you ha- yes, you're faithful to the Lord. You're, you're youthful uh, men. You're, at, you're out there with strength serving the Lord. You're fathers, and you have great knowledge of him. But hey, you need to be careful. Because here is what's going to happen. Some, some people are going to come in and they're going to try to, the word that's used there is seduce you. They're going to try to lure you away. And that, that is obviously a process. It doesn't happen right away. But some things are going to happen. And so these, this, in, in thinking of that, is the warning that he brings to them. And then you come right into verse number 15 to some words that you need to memorize and tell yourself. Uh, There'll be, be real strong help to you in times of temptation. Verse 15, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world, because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So there's that strong admonishment there. So how do we, how do we, how do we make sure that we don't fall away? Well, the word that gets used over and over again in this passage, and I didn't write down the statistic, I forgot to. I think it's about um, 60 times. Uh, this phrase is this phrase is used basically half the times the word is used in the New Testament. It's used in this book. The word that he uses is abide, abide, that the way that you resist temptation, the way that you stay out of the way of the evildoers. And as you're going to you're going to see, we'll look at it here in a little more detail, stay out of the way of Antichrist. Now, when we hear that word, I mean, it perks up our ears, doesn't it? I mean, and that's a pretty strong word to accuse someone of being Antichrist. Ugh, I mean, it's, it's just like second to Satan, isn't it? I mean, it's a really uh, strong term to use. But if you're going to avoid the way of Antichrist, and he's going to show us that it's not as uh, um, uh, futuristic as we, as we often use the word um, prophetic, uh, but that there's Antichrist here now. Um, the, the way he says to overcome those things is to abide. And abide in this passage has the idea of being rooted, of being planted. Pastor just preached uh, through John a few weeks ago, and uh, he spent a lot of time on abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. John chapter 15. What a wonderful verse. What a promise to hang on to. I say that one to myself a lot, thinking about starting a church. Uh, Lord, I want to abide in you. I want your word to abide in me. I want to ask you to do this, and I want it to be done. And, uh, and I think about that all the time. But so Jesus himself makes the command, command clear to abide. And then he goes into the metaphor of the, the vine and the branch and, and all those different things. Uh, John here uses it and he talks about abide. And that would certainly be one way as a tree that's planted. If, you, if a tree is strong, it's not strong just because it has big limbs. It's not strong necessarily because it's tall. A tree is strong because it's rooted, because it's planted. It has a firm foundation. 
So uh, he uses the term abide. And abide also has the idea of, of home. Home. I like that. Don't you like home? I mean, going home. Long days work, and you just want to go home. <laughs> I mean, home sometimes, uh, whenever we walk into the house, Hudson, in his very broken English, uh, two-year-old English, says, home sweet home. You know, every time we walk in there, he likes home sweet home. And uh, I do too. And it may not, sometimes your home, I, when we lived in the motorhome, we... Uh, did not have great affection for that space, but it was home sweet home to be in it because it was it was it wasn't much space, but it was our space and uh, and it was ours. Uh, somebody used to say it's good to sleep in your own dirt, and uh, you know it's nice to be in hotels, it's nice to travel, but it's good to be home. Now, if you have a home, does that mean you're not allowed to leave your home? No. In fact, if you never leave your home, then you know you have psychological issues probably that we need to deal with. Uh, and there's plenty of people like that I've learned around here that never leave their home. No, because you have a home, that doesn't mean you never go out of the house. If you have a home, it doesn't mean that you don't have other things that you, you do. Uh, in fact, some things you have to do so that you can keep the home. You have to go to work so that you can have a plate, home sweet home to come home to. If you do not work, you will not have a home. No, so the idea of abiding here that he's using, it's not, he's not saying that we're abiding means you never go out into the world. It doesn't say stay away from the world. It says love not the world. That your affections belong in one place. And it's not out there in the world where any Christ has his way. Your affections belong at home. To abide in Christ. The way that a Christian abides is clearly, and if that's what we want, then the way a Christian abides is spelled out in this chapter, and it's by remaining unaffectionate towards the temporary pleasures of the world and continuing in the eternal truths revealed by the Spirit. I believe that's what he's going to show us here tonight. So let's look at that. Uh, that was a very, very long introduction, but the, the body here is very, very brief, and it's very straightforward. In verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. He sums up, I, I remember when I got saved and first heard that term, the world. We take that for granted sometimes. If you've been saved for a while, you know what I'm talking about when I use that term, when I say Christianity, and then I say the world. We take that for granted that when, think about when you were a new Christian and that concept was presented to you, that there was a way in which the Lord ordered the world, the way that he wanted his believers to to, to live, the way he wanted his kingdom to grow, the way he wanted his churches to behave, and then there is the world. And that is the system where, as we're going to see later in the, in the chapter, where Antichrist has domain, where Satan himself has domain. And that is the place where God, the Bible, Jesus Christ is pushed out and man is left to his own devices. Well, what devices is he left to? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You want to sum up any sin in the book, that's where it falls into one of those three things. The lust of the flesh, what your body wants, the lust of the eyes, what you see and you want, what you covet, and the pride of life. That deals with covetousness, what I want for me. Now, I don't normally watch a lot of television. I don't like commercials, and I don't like waiting through them. Uh, it drives me crazy, but, you know, I've been watching a little more lately because of... 
the Olympics, okay? So uh, if, you're, if you're wondering what Brother Mike's up to, but we saw this commercial the other day, and I had to go online and look it up. I feel bad to give them the ratings on our website, but uh, I just saw this commercial. Now, you'll be all encouraged to know that this that next week, a uh, few weeks, the Today Show is going to be having a special segment on their show, and I hope, I, you're probably all going to want to record it. It's going to be so good. It's a special series entitled, when I thought of the pride of life, I mean, does this not sum up what's going on in the world right now? Special series called Love Your Selfie. Love Your Selfie. You know, selfie, taking your picture of yourself with the camera, with the cell phone. Love Your Selfie. It's kicking off February 22nd on the Today Show. They will examine the obsession with body image and how we can join together to feel more positive about ourselves. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Today's anchors will take, on, take an honest and revealing look at how they feel about their own bodies. Aren't you excited to hear what Al Roker uh, thinks of his own body. Next up on Wednesday, actress Cameron Diaz and Maria Shriver talk about how we feed our bodies and the habits we pass down through the ages. So two women that have made millions of dollars selling their bodies on print and television are going to lecture us about body image. That's good. And on Thursday, supermodel Naomi Campbell talks about photoshopping and airbrushing and fashion magazines and the messages these send to regular people. A woman who's made millions of dollars selling her body is going to lecture us on why it's bad for magazine companies to sell women's body. Okay. I had to throw that in there. My wife is probably telling me I shouldn't have done that with her eyes. But, uh, you know, I think it just sums up where we're at right now. That is in pop culture. That is the headline. Love yourself. Love yourself. Now, what is Jesus' headline? Deny yourself. (laughs) My daughter isn't going to have a positive outlook on life because she's in love with herself and her image. She's going to have a positive outlook on life because she's going to understand, though I be a sinner, though I do things wrong, though my, my parents don't have much money, though I don't have many talents, God loves me just the way that I am. Now, that'll instill some self-confidence in a young lady. And, uh, boy, these people are just, they're off their, uh, they've fallen off the cart. Lust of flesh, lust of eyes, pride of life. That's where the way of Antichrist goes. And I like how it's summed up there in verse 17. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, Sometimes we, 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 you know, we're, we're flesh and blood, so we assume, you know, we had a birth. We ha- we're going to have a death one day. We're going to die. Ten out of ten people do. hundred uh, percent certainty that one day we will die. But, you know, what this verse shows us is that if you're a Christian, you're involved in the work of God. It says, but he that doeth the will of God. When you're doing what God wants, really, your life doesn't have an ending. It doesn't. But the day you were born again, you became a Christian... You inherited eternal life. Now, one day you're going to put this body down, but your life isn't going to end. That, I mean, he, what he's saying here is when we do the will of God, when we do what God would have us to do, we are involved in eternal works. That's exciting. You know, we sang here tonight, probably not our best. We just had dinner an hour ago, so I know I wasn't singing my best, okay? But what we were just doing was an eternal work. You know why? Because we're going to do that forever. Now, I shoveled the sidewalk this week, and, you know, it felt good to get some exercise and everything, and there's certain things that we do that gratify our flesh, and they feel fine, great, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they're not eternal. 
But there are things that we can do now. We, we praise the Lord. When we give a testimony, somebody stands up and says, God's been praised the Lord for this and that. When we sing, when we declare God's word, there are th- think about the things that are going to happen in heaven that we, can get, that we can start doing now. Glorifying God through his word. Glorifying his name to other people. Lifting up our voices to him. Those are eternal works. And so, Christian, if you want to be involved in a work that's going to last forever, be involved in the work of the will of God. Pastor's dealing with Ecclesiastes right now, and I think that's probably one of Solomon's big frustrations that he had. He mentions it over and over again. Is one of the big frustrations that he had was that he was going to amass all this wealth, and one day someone else was going to take it. That his that no matter how big of a building he built, his his great temple is not standing today. Uh, everything that he amassed to himself. It's not going to last. I was watching a travel program and talking about, you know, these big castles in London that are they're built, you know, in the, the 1200s, 1300s, these these huge things. And now they're what? They're they're not still in the family. They're hotels and they're, you know, they're places people have weddings, things like that. And, you know, you're, you die, your wealth goes on to someone else. It was a very frustrating thing for Solomon. In fact, you know, he's now pastor gets to deal with therefore I hated life <laughs> next time. Uh, one of his lowest points in his life. But when we do the will of God, then we're, and that's what he ended up saying, fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. When we do the will of God, we're involved in eternal work. We're involved in eternal work. You don't just have to be a preacher to be involved in eternal work. That's exciting. And so he now warns them, little children, there are some people that are going to come and they're going to try to deceive you. Verse 18, it is the last time. Now, he said it was the last time, you know, 1800 to 2000 years ago. I mean, he said it was the last time then. So, Brother Mike, does that mean it wasn't the last time? No. Now it means it's really the last time now. (laughs) It's the last time. How do you know it's the last time? It is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, that's a future event. Even now, are there many Antichrists? Whereby we know that it is the last time. And he deals with that they came from us, they were not of us, verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye knew all things. There are going to be some that come and deceive you, and the way they're going to deceive you is, verse 22, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist, and denieth the Father and the Son. They deny the Father, the Creator God. And not only that, but they deny the Son, and they deny the Holy Spirit. They are antichrist. Folks, please don't buy into the delusion that secularism is a good thing. I think some Christians buy into that. You know, that, uh, yeah, well, you know, you know, God is Jesus Christ. That's all good for church. But out here in the world, we can't have any religion. Oh, secularism is hurt, hurting us bad. I think people forget that what made America amazing was now, we had extreme diversity here when, during our founding, even among Christians. I mean, we had the Baptists, we had the Congregationalists, we had the, the Roman Catholic Church with their influence, we had the, the Anglican Church with its influence, uh, the Church of England. I mean, we had, um, the, we, we had extreme diversity here, even among Christians. And you know what? We managed to, to live together. We managed to all come together under the Constitution, under our founding documents, the Declaration, and say this is how our land is going to be. And now, we, in, today in our country, we embrace secularism through democracy, where we say, well, everyone gets to have a vote, and uh, we, you know, most of the country doesn't want to have God in the public place, so then that's the way it is. 
whoa, that is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. We are headed down a very scary path. I want to tell you something. If you can keep Christianity out of your public life, you don't got Christianity. You really don't. Because being a Christian means you're a child of God. Well, no matter where my kids go, they're a child of Mike Newberger. That, can't, that cannot be changed. And I hope that everywhere that you can go, it cannot be changed, the fact that you are a child of God. And that you're, you would let your light shine. That you would uh, uh, let your beliefs... Um, it doesn't, now, like Pastor said in his sermon, I liked it. Uh, <laughs> I should share that out there on the Twitter and the Facebook, get other people to listen to that. You don't have to be a jerk about it, right? Uh, about being a Christian. I think Christians get themselves in trouble. I don't like all this... Uh, you know, we need to have a voting memorandum on this and that to, you know, have, uh, you know, all these Christian things in public society. I'm not sure that that's really the way to go, because uh, I don't think uh, any kind of laws are going to spread Christianity. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I want our kids to pray in schools, but kids praying in schools is not going to make Christians out of kids. You make Christians out of kids at home and in the church, <laughs> not in a school. And so you, you see what I'm saying? That it needs, there needs to be a real change. There needs to be what we said here in the beginning. There needs to be abiding. There has to be that real, authentic Christianity. You could even take that further in the church. You know, there's so much that can be done here in these pews. There's so much teaching and, and edification that you can get here. There's so much you can get from the fellowship of other believers, um, encouraging one another and praying for one another. But what you can't get here is getting up in your morning in the morning and reading your Bible. You can't do that in here. You have to do that at home. <laughs> you have to do that for yourself. That's part of abiding, that it's real, that it's sincere, that you are walking with him. Because he says, though there be antichrists, he says that you have, verse 20, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. That though there be so much error out there in the world, you know what is true because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. And where the Holy Spirit reveals truth is right here in his word. So he's revealed it to you. So abide in him. Abide in the truth first revealed to you as children in Christ. Look what he says. Look how he sums it up in verse number 25. And this is the promise that he hath, this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now this verse is obviously not saying that you don't need church, and you don't need a preacher, because the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Now, you say, oh, I would never believe that. Well, there's a lot of people out there that do. That's why we reject the universal church. That's why we reject church starting on the day of Pentecost. That's why we reject all these different things, because some people get in their their head that, boy, I don't don't need anyone lording over me. I don't need anyone teaching me anything because I've got the Holy Spirit. Well, I mean, that is true. You do have the Holy Spirit. But, I mean, the Holy Spirit is not going to fight against itself. So, obviously, the clear teachings in the Bible about the church uh, don't get contradicted by any other verses. Second of all, when you're in the hospital, like Brother Stephen, and you're sick, uh, you know, you can't call your universal invisible preacher to come visit you, right? You call the preacher at the local church. Um, and uh, and, and we, could go, we could go on and on tonight. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point that is trying to be made here is this, that what, through all the error that is out there, all the seducing that comes from the world from those that deny christ you can know the truth through the holy ghost jesus christ left the earth but god did not leave the earth 
He sent the Comforter. The Comforter is come. He's here. God is not gone. He's right here with us. Explain that to me, Mother Mike. I want to know exactly how it is that the Holy Ghost can be within us and illuminate the Word of God to us. I can't. And nobody, no matter how many degrees they have have behind their name, can do it either. It is, it is something so wonderfully simple and yet so wonderfully complex and, 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 and amazing. It's like trying to describe the, 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 uh, how Jesus Christ came and dwelt in a body. It's, it's pretty much just as complicated that the Holy Spirit would come down and he would abide with us. And we could abide with him. That he would reveal truth to us. Not through a voice. Not through, a, not, 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 not through something audible. Not through something in a dream but through his witness and his testimony on our hearts through the Word of God. That is incredible. That is an amazing thing. And it's a good reminder sometimes. I think he's probably the most neglected of the Trinity. He says that the gift that he's given to us is eternal life. And the way he ends the, the, the passage in verse 28, And now little children abide in him. So he goes back to the idea of little children. Abide in him that... When, ye sh- when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Little children, when he comes back, be ready so that you can be confident when you see him. I think sometimes we think, I need, there's a whole lot of things I need to do to get ready for when the Lord comes back. Here's a, here's a hint. When you got saved, that's when you were ready. And a lot of what we do after that just gets us unready for when he comes back. Remember <laughs> when you got saved and you truly believed, boy, the things of earth are passing away. Jesus is coming again. I have a home in heaven. You looked up to eternity, perhaps for the first time, and you had some hope that when you put your head on the pillow at night, that if I were to die tonight, hey, it's, oh, I'll miss my friends, I'll miss my family, but it's okay. I am going to heaven. And you were confident in that fact. And Jesus, may, if somebody told you about this, that he's coming again, you said, man, that would be amazing if Jesus would come back and he would take us to heaven. I'm ready for that right now. Remember how ready you were that day? Abide there. Abide there. It doesn't mean go back and act like you were when you first got saved. No, that's not what, but what you had there, that's what you need. That's where you need to abide. That is home. The pure faith that believes in the eternal work of God is that he's returning again and that there's an afterlife, eternity in heaven. That's what you need. Abide there. You know, the first hymn we sang, like nobody was singing, not to criticize anybody. I wasn't hardly singing either. I couldn't find, didn't hear the page. Uh, so, you know, first hymns are like that sometimes. But did you listen to what it said? When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be noon or night, faithful to him, he will find us watching with our lamps all trimmed and bright. Will he find us watching with our lamps all trimmed and bright? Oh, can we say we are ready, brother? Ready for the soul's bright home? Say, will he find you and me still watching, waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come? Have confidence when he returns. Where, God, how, does, how does he want to see me? Does he want to see me, you know, uh, selling all my things and, and uh, just waiting for him to come? No. He wants to see you abiding. Abiding in him. Not in love with the world, but abiding in him. Abide in him today, I beg of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to look into your word. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, the simplicity of, of books like this in the Bible that um, 
clearly communicate uh, to us what we need to hear. And Lord, I know I found myself and many believers in here and many believers before all of us have found themselves in these words, finding refreshment, finding uh, renewal. And Lord, I hope I brought the message across clearly tonight that, that we are so grateful for the day that we were saved. And the idea isn't to go back and to relive those days like we're trying to relive the glory days or something like that. But that pure faith we had when we received you is what we, need to, what we need to have now. We need to abide. And Lord, so many things since the time of our salvation have, have complicated. Uh, we, we've, or we've let things get complicated in our lives. We've let uh, maybe one bad decision after another lead us down sort of a, a spiral staircase of, of bad decision making, bad thinking about you. But Lord, I pray that tonight, Lord, if there be somebody like that here, that they would take the first step back up. Back up to a place of abiding. Back up to a place where we have faith and confidence in you and in your word. Lord, you know the world out there isn't, isn't always um, hospitable to that. It doesn't always looks at our faith and says, why, why would you believe in something that you can't see? Or why would you uh, think that there could be anything after, after heaven? Or oh, this, is, this life is hell right now and we hear all these pessimistic things out there. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bear witness to us again that we would, we would be open to his influence on our life to show us that this life is not all there is. There is one to come. That what we do here matters for eternity. And Lord, I pray that each believer's heart here, Lord, I, I wish I could do it for them. I wish I could do it for everyone here. I wish someone could come and do it for me. Just set us straight. Get us abiding. But it can't be done that way, Lord. It's the Holy Spirit. It's your word and us. And there's nothing else. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do that work. Lord, I believe your Holy Spirit can do that work. Help me to have faith as a preacher to, to not try to, to, to over-baby people, to not try to uh, uh, pull people along uh, in their faith, but to, to let you do the work in their lives that only you can do. So that when I'm long gone and, and, and the preacher here is long gone, your people will still be abiding. And the people here at, at Open Door and the people at North Brooklyn Baptist Church will be found abiding for years to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll have a word of invitation. God spoke to your heart.